Yeah, but I'm going to talk about one of the characters this morning. I'm going to talk about King Xerxes. And let's jump into the t- actual text itself. So if you've got a Bible, uh, go to Ru- uh, Esther chapter 1. It's on page three, uh, 344 in your Bibles. And we'll read this together. And uh, let's let's do it how we've been doing it. Let's everybody pick a verse, and we'll kind of read it in the round. Um, so if somebody wants to start off with verse one, and then we'll go into verse two, and keep going. Uh, two verses. Paragraph. Pa- paragraph. Uh, half a sentence. Three words. Three words. This is what. <laughs> Are we reading the whole? Yeah, just the twenty-two verses. So, yeah, just pick a verse and let's let's read read it, and then we'll if we got to do a, another round, we'll do another round. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. So Xerxes, who ruled over one hundred and twenty-seven provinces stretching from India to Kush, at the time of King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia. Medea, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material and silver rings on couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one, a different, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant, in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs to, who served him, to bring before him... No, 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 you got to sound it out. Come on, this is serious. This is serious church business right now. Who had special access? 
says to the king and were highest in the kingdom. He asked them what legal recourse they had against Queen Vashti for not obeying King Xerxes' summons to order by the eunuchs. When Lucan spoke up in the council of king and princes, it's not only the king Queen Vashti has consulted, it's all of us, leaders and people alike, in every last one of King Xerxes' provinces. The word's going to get out. Did you hear the latest about Queen Vashti? Queen Vashti? King Xerxes ordered her to be brought before him, and she wouldn't do it. When the women hear it, they'll start treating their husbands with contempt. The day the wives of the, the day the wives of the Persian and Mede officials get wind of the queen's insolence, they'll be out of control. Is that what we want? A country of angry women who don't know their place? <laughs> advice, so the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over their own household using his native tongue. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Okay. Um, now, King Xerxes here. I, I just... If you're reading this, and I think we had some fun laughing at the, pronouncing the names, I hope that Silently, you might have been laughing internally at just the absurdity of this passage, right? And I have this absurdity graph, which is really kind of tipping high on, on this passage. And if you're reading it, and again, I know we're kind of in that religious church mode. We're supposed to take the Bible seriously. And this to me is, if you're not laughing or at least being like, oh my gosh, like this is the most ridiculous passage I think I've ever read in the Bible, right? It's, 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 it's crazy how absurd this passage is, right? They're going to legislate that women are going to respect husbands. They're sit, sitting on couches of gold. They are, you know, they're talking about the queen has insulted the, the entire kingdom is going to crumble, right? So this passage is completely absurd. And as we study this passage, really King Xerxes kind of almost takes on, or this whole, it almost kind of takes on like this cartoon character this comedic element to it, right? The main thing that is, I observe at least in this first chapter as we study King Xerxes is again just this word king. In the book of the, in the book of Esther, this word king is mentioned over a hundred times. Specifically, the king King Xerxes' name is mentioned almost thirty times. King or, or kingship or kingdom. The way that Xerxes is kind of ordering this kind of kingdom of Persia becomes a major theme. Right? And what I want to do this morning is I want to do three things. I want to kind of, again, observe the uh, absurdity, the ridiculousness of what we'll call just worldly kingdoms. Right? 
I want to compare them to what we as followers of Jesus have put our hope and our trust in into the kingdom of God. Actually, I'm going to have you guys do that. And then lastly, if we have time here at the end, I'm going to allow them to challenge our kingdoms, right? One of the great, the great, to me, the great theme of the Bible is Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel. Jesus is Lord. And we accept and we humble ourselves into the kingdom of God, right? The dominant message of Jesus is about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven. And it's about the availability for that in our lives to live in that kingdom. So the, this whole kind of kingdom, and I know we're not, very familiar a lot of times with king or, 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 or that kind of language. We think that that's old and that only happens over in England and, and other countries. But this kind, of, this kind of idea of king and kingdom and kingship, um, of the rule and reign of the authority of God in this world versus the worldly kingdoms in our lives, we're going to look at those three things. So I want to look at, again, just the absurdity of King, uh, of king Xerxes. And as we do this, I've tried to... I've tried to put in some kind of funnier pictures to accompany them because there should be this kind of like, there should be to me this kind of comedic factor as you read this first chapter of like, this book is, this is just crazy, right? So as you read of King Xerxes and as we're introduced to King Xerxes, he throws this massive party and the party is just to display his wealth. He wants to show off how rich he is. So the person that comes to mind when I think about that is, there's a boxer out there. His name's Floyd Mayweather. Any Floyd Mayweather fans out there? And one of Floyd Mayweather's things is he likes to travel or show off massive stacks of cash. And if you Google, if, you're, if I get you get bored later and you Google Floyd Mayweather cash, you can find picture after picture after picture of him with, I mean, this is him, the one, I know they're a little hard to see, the one that he's laying in bed. This is probably, between these two pictures, this is probably more money than I have completely in my entire life. Um, I mean, just, st- and these are hundreds, so stacks of cash. And this guy loves to just show off his wealth. And, you know, maybe you've seen Floyd Mayweather or heard of Floyd May- Mayweather, and he would make, like, I think he, at the Super Bowl, did he make a bet, like a million or a $1.2 million bet on the Super Bowl? And it's kind of just, he just loves to display his wealth. We read this book and of Esther and we read about King Xerxes and King Xerxes in here in verses, what is it? Six and seven. Uh, it talks about how these garden, the garden had hangings of white and blue linen. Now I know ladies, you can go to target and get those or bed, bath and beyond. This was an extremely rare um, commodity to have in these days. And just to let you guys know that it's not just any linen, they are, have silver rings on marble pillars, couches of gold. My wife and I recently bought a couch. We were looking at a couch of gold, but we didn't. thought it was a little showy. So um, mosaic pavement. Brian, thank you for pronouncing that word. Puffery. Puffery. Yeah, I don't, I just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, marble, mother of pearl, costly stone, wine served in what? goblets of gold the king loves it's just absurd and like the the books are saying like this is just kind of how this guy rolled and he just liked to to show it off right now the second thing that kind of pops up in this book and i have this picture of this man who's a puppet master and it's kind of silly but uh he he's absolutely trying to control everything right uh strain says it like this he says uh 
he says, in an autocracy, even the absence of a rule requires a decree. It's hard not to smirk a little at the micromanaging megalomania of the king that needs to legislate for how people drink at his parties, which, by the way, is exactly what the author of the book is aiming at. So there at the end of that second chapter, the king, in verse 8, he makes a command telling people that they are to drink how they want to drink. Like, he has to command that. Like, this is, you're, you're coming to my party, right? And I will tell you how you are going to drink at my party. And how are you going to drink? Well, however you want to drink. But I'm telling you, I'm making a command. And so, again, Strain says, like, you're, the kind of the point is, you read that and you're like, wait, this guy's making a command? A decree to tell people how, how to drink? So he has, like, these, these control issues. By the way, I, I don't know <clears throat> um, if, if you guys notice this, too. Um, I'm going to talk about this in the next one. The next one we go to is sex. We're going to do this kind of, you know, when you read about him bringing out Queen Vashti, right? And again, we, in the, in the video too, she has her long flowing robes on and she's all covered up and all these sorts of things. I, I don't know when I imagine it after a week of drinking and being drunk, I don't imagine the king saying, why don't you come out dressed like an Amish woman, right? I think more what the king and more what makes Vashti so incensed and refuses is that she probably would have come out, you know, again, we can't show that here. That's why I pixelated the image for everyone. But she would have come out in more of an erotic or a very sexual type of manner, right? Listen, if I said, if I was at a party and I said, hey, you know, Robin, can I, you look so beautiful tonight and I want people to see you, you know, like she'd be a little embarrassed, but she wouldn't refuse. If I said, hey, Robin, you are the most beautiful woman, why don't you strip down to just your crown and come display your beauty for all my friends as we've been on a seven-day bender of Miller time? She might say, Eric, I don't think I'm going to do that for you today, right? And she would refuse that. So we think about the absurdity of Xerxes and sexuality, and you combine the sexuality and control. Notice who handles Queen Vashti. Who handles her? Who's the one that kind of is the in-between between the king and, uh, and, and, and the queen? What's the word? Eunuchs. What's a eunuch? Somebody want to say it out loud or should I say it out loud? Someone who's been castrated. The, the person who's handling the king's wife can't even have business down here to do anything. So there's this really weird sexual control that he has. There's control over his people or he's decreeing. There's all this weird, and again, go back to my original picture. The absurdity factor on this, this just these first couple of verses, right? And you just go right to the beginning. The way that he views money, sex, and power, right? Now, you keep going. I keep going. I see, dude, this guy's not being done, being ridiculous, right? So I go mentally. And again, these pictures are meant to make us laugh a little. Mentally. You know, Queen Vashti says no. And all of a sudden, there's this massive exaggeration that Queen Vashti just saying, no, I'm not going to come out and parade myself in an erotic manner in front of you and all your hammered friends, right? And what do they say? This, the entire fate of the empire is at stake in this moment. The empire will fall because she said no, right? And you're thinking to yourself, wait, what? 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 How? You're, you're making from here to here? 
Like, what size is your brain here, buddy? You know what I mean? And they're exaggerating and they're inflating all of this emotionally. Here we go. This is because I know you guys love tennis metaphors, so I fit in this tennis metaphor. <laughs> emotionally, he's an infant, right? He doesn't get his way, and what does he do? He slams his racket on the ground. He starts throwing things around. He starts screaming and yelling, um, and, and he's crying. One of the commentators says, King Xerxes can control 127 provinces, but he can't control his temper, right? And this is, it's, I mean, we see this, and it's not just that it happened then. This is, we see this in current political climate, right? And I, that's not a, I don't want to get too political on it, but it, that just, we just see that all over the political world. Okay, so not just here in the United States, we see it all over the political world, right? We see the emotional infantness of, of King Xerxes. And then relationally, right? I mean, relationally, he thinks, right? So here's our, our last one. He thinks that he's going to be able to legislate that women are going to respect men. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a law that if you, women, if you're going to be a part of this church, you will respect your husband. That's what, if you want to be a part of this church, you will show proper respect to your husband. And if I catch you slipping, you will be out of the church. Like, the, could you imagine you came to a Sunday morning and went to a church and was like, that was a, a pastor was seriously talking like that? You'd be like, like, is this, what? Like, where'd this guy come from? So, I mean, maybe, maybe he did a little of this. I found this book on Amazon if you want to... Oh, the chauvinist bedside book. Maybe this was his, you know, kind of part of his bedside reading. But again, you read this first chapter, uh, wealth, control, money, wealth, sex, right? Mentally, relationally, emotionally. The absurdity, the ridiculousness of this, of this whole first chapter is just, it's just crazy. Now, um, I've had all these absurd, funny pics because I want you to see that it's, it's really, it's comical. And the author wants us almost to read this as comical, that King Xerxes would act in this manner. Um, and it makes, us, it makes us long for a different kingdom. Let me say this as we kind of wrap up this first part. This is the, it's, it's comical, but it's, it's also sad. This is the sad, the logical conclusion of an empire run in this manner. Right? This is where you end up, where you have a king who says, hey, come out here. And if you don't come out here, you're gone. And you know what? We're going to make laws that are going to tell women how to act. And we're going to legislate this stuff. And then Strange says in his commentary, it makes us long for a different kingdom and a better king, doesn't it? Right? So, again, on this first chapter, you just see the massive absurdity of this. And then I would say this, is that we contrast this with the kingdom of God with King Jesus. This is the Gospels. This is the New Testament narrative, is that Jesus is the King, that the kingdom of God, repent and believe the good news, because the, the kingdom of God is available. It's at hand to all. Now, I'm going to put you guys to work for a little bit, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want you to get in six divided by Um Groups of two or three. I think there might be one or two groups of three. Okay. And you got to, if you're sitting next to your spouse, I'm going to make you get up and move because you're going to have to you have to get after it. What I want you to do, I'm going to put you to work a little bit, okay? 
what I want you to do is I want you to contrast Xerxes' kingdom, which we've just talked about. How did Xerxes treat wealth and money? Well, he wanted to show off with it. He wanted to use it for power, for influence, right? How did Xerxes use power control? Well, he wanted to manipulate people. He wanted to tell people what to do. How did he treat sexuality? Women were just uh, something to, they were just a commodity. They were something they could dispose. They were to be told what to do, right? And I want you to contrast Xerxes, Xerxes' kingdom, with the kingdom of God or King Jesus. So what I want you to do is I want you to open up your Bibles. If you have a Bible, you can use your Bible app. If you have your Bible app, uh, Google might be helpful for this. If you want to use Google, if you want to do some searching on your phone. And I want you to come up with at least one or two examples of a contrasting, hey, this is how Jesus used wealth or money compared to how Xerxes used wealth or money. You got that? Can we do that? We're going to put a little bit of like, I'm going to put a little bit of thinking power in your guys' hands today. So can we do that? So find, find a, stand up and find a, what did I say, two? Groups of two? Two or three. Two or three. Find a, a different partner, okay? And then sit down and I'm going to tell you which one you're going to get, all right? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to sign it to you. I am a decree. I am the one in control here, and I will make a decree of how you'll... So, good moment to get up and stretch. Find a friend or a new person. The city has the creed. Just a group over here. You guys are going to be my money people. All right. You guys are going to look up wealth money. Jessica, Isan, I want you to do the power and control. Okay. How did Jesus, how is the kingdom, how is that power and control? You boys right here, do you guys want to do sexuality? You want to talk about women? Or you want to do something else? Or should I, where would do the women want to talk about the women? Okay, women. You, how, how, does, how is Xerxes' kind of mental state um, where he would... Um, where he would exaggerate and inflate and, and kind of go off the deep end. How, how is that different than maybe how Jesus would think, how Jesus would engage? Uh, what other notes did I have for that? Um, how Jesus would think and react. And then you guys have the emotions of Jesus. Um, how did he act when Jesus, maybe when Jesus didn't get his way? Or maybe when things, uh, what was Jesus' kind of emotional state compared to Xerxes just flying off the handle? And then, one, two, three, four, five. I'll do my own. I'll come up with the relation, the relationships of Jesus. So, all set? Take about five minutes. I want you to come up with one or two examples. Again, use your Bible. Use your Bible app. Use Google if that's helpful. Uh, if you want to do some Google searching. And then, uh, this is going to kind of be, by the way, our discussion time as well, too. So, take a few minutes. <laughs>